Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, and I want to continue what we have been starting in the last couple of weeks, looking at what we generally call the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and us in response to their question, their observation of how he was praying, and they wanted to pray in the way that he was, because he introduced a way of praying that was and is totally unlike anything that had ever been seen or known before. I, I don't know if you've realized it yet, but Jesus introduced a new way of praying. Um, it, it caught up every prayer of the Old Testament, so they don't contradict, but he catches them up and carries them forward to where prayer had never been before. And so his prayer is built on the Old Testament. It doesn't contradict it, but it carries us to, I say again, where the Old Testament had never seen and never dreamed, never imagined that prayer could go. And when you come to the New Testament, realize that. We, we are praying at a different level than they ever thought of praying in the Old Testament. And so in uh, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6 and in verse 9, that's where this prayer begins in the Matthew account. And we've gotten as far as our Father who is in heaven. And it arrests me. There's a sense in which I could go straight on to the next, hallowed be thy name. But I'm, I'm stopped. I'm arrested by this because Jesus used this expression over and over again. Check in a concordance. It would take us far too long just to even reference all the times that Jesus used the phrase Father in heaven. And the fact that he used that expression so many times in so many different ways, it tells me that this was the set of his heart. This is where the holy mind of Jesus was. He thought of his Father and he thought of his father specifically in heaven. It, it, it seems that sooner or later when he mentions father, he has to come to this, that father is in heaven, lest we should associate father with something here on earth. And so that's where we're going to camp out for the next hour. Our father who is in heaven. Now, First of all, can, can I ask you something that you wipe your mind clean? I mean, seriously erase everything that is in your mind 
surrounding the word heaven because for most believers that I've talked to heaven is usually associated with some tourist guide that um, you know a, a city of, of golden streets and the rest of it and and they can't wait to get there which of course is immediately to miss the whole point of what heaven is and then they place heaven as when you die um, and, and leave now uh, a sort of in-between times, hanging out at church corner until you have uh, death, and then you get to heaven, and that's when it all begins. And so would you please wipe the brain, wipe the memory, wipe the imagination, wipe it clean, so we can get down to what the Scripture says concerning heaven, our Father who is in heaven. Well, first of all, the word is used in the New Testament just to describe what even we would call today the heavens. It's used to describe the atmosphere above us, uh, outer space, the heavens. But it's pretty obvious when it's using it that way, and so I'll just dismiss that. It is also sometimes used, very, very little, but sometimes it is used of the place of evil spirits. Uh, You'll find that in Ephesians 6, for sure. Uh, Spiritual warfare, it speaks of evil spirits in heavenly places. And in that sense, it is using the word to describe supernatural. It, It means that which is above earth in terms of power and evil supernatural certainly um, has power over all mankind outside of Jesus Christ. Um, Mankind has never been able to stand up to the power of evil. It is a higher power. It is a supernatural evil power. And, and so it is used there, but very rarely, and it's pretty obvious when it is. The meaning of the word heaven, as it is overwhelmingly used in the New Testament, is, now, how shall I describe heaven? I, I would begin by saying that it is the place of the Holy Trinity. It is the place of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, It is the dimension of God's immediate and unveiled glory. And the word glory means the outradiance of all the beautiful being of God who is love. And so when we say heaven, we mean that immediate realization, the immediate uncovering, the immediate vision, seeing of the God who is love, the Father who so loved you, the Father who sent his Son, the the Son who delightedly came to get us, and the Holy Spirit who even now is working within us to achieve the end uh, of... Um, completing the work of Jesus in us. Heaven, the the immediate personal presence of the triune God. Now, I, I might say the word place. It's the God place. But 
because I know where many people's head is at, they think of heaven as a place where God is, which you might say that Bandera, Texas is a place where Malcolm Smith is. But most of Bandera, Texas is quite apart from me. I just happen to be here. Um, and that, you see, people have this idea. I go back to the Golden Street thing, and uh, as if, as if I, I, I can spend, you know, a couple of thousand years there and finally get to meet Jesus or something. That's how I've heard people talk. But uh, that, that, no, that is, is so, so terrible. It's not a place where God is. God himself in his fullness is the place. So heaven is to be in the immediacy of this God. Heaven is to be inside his love. Heaven is to be embraced by love and by his overspilling joy. Heaven is the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, I hope you see. Now, this entrance, this insight into heaven, it came with Jesus. If you go back into the Old Testament, we, we can read a lot back into it. But they, they didn't have this clear vision of what we're talking about. Jesus introduced us to this uh, and and so that's why we're, we're stopping on this beginning Jesus is teaching us having mentored us by his example Jesus is teaching us that God is father he teaches us that well they didn't know that before didn't know it all the way up to Malachi. Didn't know that. Jesus is God who has taken our humanity and from within our humanity he's teaching us that God is Father. The Father who sent him. And he is opening up to us heaven which in the Old Testament was remote and far away, divided away from earth. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, you might remember, prayed and said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He said, Oh, if, if only you would split open heaven and come down. Or as far back as Jacob, if you remember, um, Jacob had a dream, a prophetic dream, in, in which he saw heaven open and a stairway between heaven and earth. Angels of God ascending and descending. And at the top he saw the glory of God and God spoke to him. But Jesus was the one who said he had come to fulfill that vision. He said to Nathaniel, remember in John chapter 2, you will see the Son of Man as the ladder between heaven and earth. And Jesus I, I said it a moment ago, I say it every time we see each other, I, I, I say Jesus is Son of God, God the Son who has taken our humanity. He has come from heaven and now has locked himself into creature earth by taking our humanity. Heaven has opened, but 
by his baptism, when he is thrust into the world on his mission of saving us, uh, do you remember what happened? Heaven was opened. Do you remember that? At the baptism of Jesus, heaven was opened and the voice of the Father came from the heaven and said, this is my beloved Son. So the Father identified Jesus as the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit came. The whole Trinity is now inside of creation in a relationship with Jesus. Heaven has been opened. Think about that. Think about that. Heaven has been opened in the coming of Jesus. I want to say it again. Think about that. And thereafter, Jesus, when faced with, uh, shall I say, problems, maybe better opportunities, challenges, how many times it says that Jesus, looking up into heaven, and so he now, living within the limitations and boundaries of a human, and faces the challenges of being a human, and the limitations of what human can do, looks through and beyond the challenges facing him into heaven, and receives from heaven the instruction, shall I say, the, the love power of the Father to give into and triumph over whatever the situation was. And again, that's an expression. Look in your concordance. Jesus looked up into heaven. I mean, one that immediately comes to mind, the feeding of the 5,000, facing what was 15,000 people. He says 5,000 men plus women and children. So it's about 15,000 if you work it out. And, and they're hungry and have nothing to eat, and all you have is five loaves and two fishes. It, it says Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes and looking up into heaven. He was looking into, what shall I say? He was looking into the very origin and source of love. He was looking into the heart of his father, looked into heaven. And at another time, um, when he was speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was um, getting all confused about the words of Jesus concerning a new birth, and, and Jesus said that he was teaching heavenly things, truths that had been held in heaven, waiting for this moment to be shared with earth. And then Jesus said an amazing thing. He said that he, Jesus, had been in heaven. That was his eternal home. So this teaching that he's sharing, he has been familiar with it from unbeginning. And now he says, the Son of Man who was in heaven is on earth. And at the same time he said he's in heaven. He, he is bringing the wisdom of heaven. He's bringing the what had up till now been the secrets and the mysteries of heaven as to how God would ever save us all. And he comes now and he shares it. 
At another time, do you remember he said in Matthew 11, no one knows the Father except the Son. He said he, the Son of God, is the only one who has known him. And the word used to mean observe, know by experience, know by interaction, know intimately, know personally. He says, I've come from him and he says, I'm the only one who knows the Father. And the Father is the only one who thus knows me. But he said, I will share that knowledge with all who come to me. Um, this, See, we get the gospel so mixed up sometimes as if he just came to save us from sin. Um, no, the gospel is not all about sin and judgment. It's about the passion our Father and Son and Holy Spirit to bring you and I into heaven right now, awaiting the coming of Jesus when the whole heavens and earth will be changed. And th th this is it. He, he says, well, and, and the other one, which we uh, Christians have sold this text to the undertaker. They only read it at funerals uh, because they think everything's when you die, when you die. No, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many, and that ghastly translation, mansions, that should never have been. The word there in the Greek language is abiding places. And, and, and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, where did he go? He says, I'm going. Where did he go? He went to the cross. And on the cross, in the shedding of his blood, in his resurrection, he prepared, he achieved an abiding place inside the Father's house for you and I. And then goes on throughout chapter 14 and 15 to speak of abide in me and I will abide in you and the Father will come and we, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, will abide in you. This is heaven, you see. Heaven is that immediate presence of God who loves, God who is unbegun, the very source of life itself. This, this is it. And that's why Jesus died. He entered into our death. And in rising again, what did he say? I ascend to my Father and your Father. He said, I'm carrying you into heaven. And from that heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit and calls him the Holy Spirit from heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, it says there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So heaven came into us creatures of earth. Heaven. We began to dwell in the immediate presence of God. And we were taught by Jesus, witnessed to inside of us by the Holy Spirit, to call him Father. Jesus assured us, John chapter 14, 15, 16, he said, the Father loves you in the same way that he loves Jesus. He loves you. 
And he says you can be frank and free with him because he loves you. He calls you. That that's calls you into that intimate knowledge. You can call him Abba the same way that Jesus did. And you can look at Abba through Jesus' eyes and see how Abba loves him and loves you and accepts him and accepts you. This is it. And when Jesus entered heaven, I don't know if you can get this. I pray you do. Something happened that had never been before. And I mean never been before. When Jesus ascended into heaven, something happened that had never happened before. For Jesus ascended into heaven with human body. The same body that was taken from the cross and put into the tomb, it was that body that rose from the dead. Now deathless, now beyond all touch of enemy, glorified body of life and spirit, but still a 100% human body as we were always intended to be. Did you hear what I said? Into the God place, into Father and Son and Holy Spirit came human. And human is you and I. Jesus embraced human, you and I, and having washed us clean from sin and declared from the Father, you are forgiven, he sweeps us up and human is taken into heaven where only God, Holy Trinity, dwells. Now that's the gospel. That you, you, oh, you, you, you sit in your room and you feel you're the only person, the most insignificant person of no worth. I speak to you the word of the Lord that you included in Jesus have been taken inside. The limitless love of the Father for Jesus is now. You are now sitting in the middle of that love and he loves you with an unbegun and endless and limitless and unbounded love. You have been taken into heaven in and through Jesus who came and took our humanity in order to take humans into heaven. So what is heaven? Heaven, heaven is love that is so personal. Well, what can I say? Jesus did not come to tell us about God love with a chalkboard and lecture notes. You know what I mean? He didn't come to give us information. Oh, please get this. Jesus did not come to give us information about the love of God. Jesus is the love of God come to earth and he revealed to us 
And he mentored us in living inside that love that the Father is. So that it's not information. You, you may be illiterate and, and there's got nothing to do with it. You may be, not be able to read or write. There's neither here nor there. The fact is this love. You, you are taken by Jesus into this love that is the Father, is the Son, is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit connects you to the love of the Father and the love of the Son. And it says that he witnesses within you. He gives you holy permission to say, Abba, Father, just as Jesus did. And he sits us down, it says in Ephesians, seated in Christ, in the heavenly places, seated, resting. The struggle is over, you see. There's no more struggle to try and be right with God. There's no more struggle to try and have assurance the very fact that Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus was buried and rose from the dead and ascended for you means the absolute fact. Sit down inside the love of God. Huh. So this, is the per- this isn't just a good feeling that some Christians have now and again. This is not... A sort of overspill of joy that we have had in charismatic meetings. No, no, no. It is that. But that's just a sort of a sidebar. That, that's uh, a wonderful PS to the whole jolly thing. No, this is. It's above feeling. It, it just is. Because sometimes I feel the love of God, but other times the truth is I don't feel the love of God. At other times I'm busy doing my earth stuff, and um, for that moment I'm not even thinking about it, but, but this is so. This is the assurance, this is the witness within us that the Holy Spirit gives. And interesting, although I can't go here, our time is going, but... In the Old Testament, it would appear that Satan, the word means accuser, could stand before God and accuse us of our sin and our disobedience. But in the death and resurrection of Jesus, it says that the accuser is thrown out. When I enter into the realization of the heaven for which I was created and for which Jesus came to achieve, there is no shame. No shame. There is no sense of unworthy. I know. You were raised to grovel before a distant God and say, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, have mercy, have mercy. No Take a long look at Jesus and realized in heaven there is no unworthiness for you are the apple of God's eye. He has washed you through the blood of Jesus. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And John said this perfect love in which you've come to rest knows no fear, for he says fear is to do with judgment and punishment, and that's all gone. 
you can look with childlike rest and delight into Father's face and know, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you that you should be called a child of God. You are greatly loved, says Ephesians 2. Romans 8 says, if God be for us, he's pro us, he's on our side. He loves us. He's given his son, he's given his very self to join us in death. He that spared not his only son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Oh, the, the, that other scripture in John which really demands an hour just to say it. When he's describing the love of God, he said, herein or in this is love. I'm going to give you a definition of God's love. He said, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He said, God doesn't love us because we first loved him and got his attention. He loves you because you're breathing. He loves you because you exist. And again it says, we, we love because he first loved us. Herein is the love of God always first, always before we could love him. This is God's love. This, this love, and I say it again, is not something on a chalkboard in a theological seminary because I know many who have been through theological seminary and know what's on the chalkboard but have never dreamt of the love of God that is toward them heaven well I've said it I'm trying to say this from more than one angle and that it's heaven is 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 that relationship that we call the Holy Trinity. The Father, who unbeginningly, unlimitedly, unboundedly loves the Son. And the Son is the perfect expression and image of the Father and responds to His love. And the Holy Spirit it is that love in celebration, that love in unlimited activity, power, relationship. God is original relationship. God is relationship of father to son to spirit and spirit to father to son and son to father to spirit. Relationship, which is the union and Jesus said to us I am the way no one comes to the Father but by me he invites us into that relationship he invites us into be participants in partakers of that love that exists between the persons of the Trinity and when Jesus said I am the way he was not talking of a sign. It's not as if on the freeway of life you see a sign that says to the Father and that sign is Jesus. No, 
That's not the meaning there. When Jesus says, I am the way, he, he, he was speaking to us from his relationship to the Father and says, come and join me. Uh, look at me. I, I, all you see in me is, is all you're invited into. Come and know the Father as I do. This, this is heaven. <laughs> Think about that. And of course, there is joy. Anytime there's any hint of what heaven might look like, it's a rowdy place. I don't know how some believers are going to get used to it. That, no, that, that was a silly aside. But, I mean, some believers are the quietest people I've ever met. Um, in, in terms, there's no excitement, there's no joy, their sallow faces um, reflect boredom, but, but um, heaven, I, I say again, it's a rowdy place. Even the little they knew in the Old Testament, that's, they sure knew that, and every time they mirrored heaven on earth, they danced and they sang and they clapped and they spun around and they shouted for joy and for praise of God. And Jesus said, my, my joy I give to you. The joy that he had, the unbounded joy of being in the Father's presence, he said, I give it to you. And then, of course, it says the peace of God, the peace, the utter harmony that, that word peace, of course, is so much bigger than our idea of the absence of war and trouble. Peace in the Bible means total wholeness. It means the health for which we were created. It means perfect unity and harmony and a lot more besides. The peace of God, that peace that exists in God. And I might say, especially with the joy, but the peace too, it's not only something we have. It, before we have it, it's his joy. And you remember when Jesus describes himself as the shepherd bringing the sheep home, he says, rejoice with me. You ever thought of it? The father laughs for joy over you. Ever thought Jesus... Is liable to grab your hand and spin you around for sheer delight? Ever thought of the Holy Spirit as unlimited laughter and joy? And God himself, the very definition of peace. And of course heaven, well, we use the term almighty and if you look at what the earliest Christians believed, and it's important that I say this, um, they believe in God, the Father Almighty. Do you remember that? I mean, it, some of you wouldn't. Um, but if you go to a liturgical church, they, there's the Apostles' Creed, which has been in the church since unknown. It goes back and back and back into the mists that uh, around the end of the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles' Creed, and that begins in that fashion, but also the Nicene Creed, which after the great persecutions, the Christians put it together. This is what we believe. And, and oh, how exact they said it, because they knew 
the generations would be guided by those words. They believed in God, the Father Almighty. And it's so interesting how, yes, I'll say it, how Satan has caused people to take out the Father. And people talk about God Almighty. No, it's not. It's not God Almighty. It's God the Father Almighty. And God's power, almighty power, is love. The love of God is the life of God. The love and life of God is the power of God. Jesus exhibited, demonstrated the power of God when he was moved with compassion. And so it is that we come to heaven and we realize the love of God, but that love, you see, human love has serious boundaries because there are persons that we love. We, we, we as humans, would feel moved toward persons, but we can do nothing about their situation. And so we, we say we sympathize, we're awfully sorry, but we can't do anything about it, you see, because our love is, is limited. I can know love, feel love, be moved by love, but I can't do anything. That's human love. But when God loves, that is his power. God never loves and says, shucks, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. No, when God loves, his love is the power to change things. So it's almighty love power. Love power that has limitless potential. I can't put limits on what God's power can do because he's not limited by earth's laws. He's not bounded by creature walls. He's not boxed in to where we are boxed in by being creatures. And so one of the words that comes out of the heaven is with God all things are possible. Think on that for a week. Or another translation of that, which is as good as, maybe better, no word from God is void of power. Like that one. And then he demonstrated the limitless power by raising Jesus from the dead. The Bible always speaks of that. You, you want a, a, a definition of God's power. He says, look at the resurrection. He raised Jesus from the dead. That, there's your limit. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of any power beyond that. He raised Jesus from the dead. And of course, heaven, this place of the person of the triune God, is the place of truth. Absolute truth. You know, it, it says in defining God, he, God is love. You know that. But also, it, it, it gives another little phrase concerning God. He's the God who cannot lie. Interesting. 
You know, there's plenty of other things we know about God from this and that and the other. But those two statements, declaring he is love and he is the God who cannot lie. He is truth. And it's very hard for us to understand because we live in a world which is a mesh of lies. Foul lies, abominable lies, cruel lies, devastating, destroying lies. And we accept it with a yawn. I mean, that's the way it is, isn't it? We're so used to lies, we're not really shocked by them anymore. We don't believe the advertising we hear any more than those who wrote the advertising believe it. And we know it, but who cares? Lies, lies. And they tell us that this medicine will cure us. But by July, they've changed their mind. And on the same TV, in the same advertising slot, it says that medicine will kill us. They made a few billion dollars before they dared tell you that it would kill you, but we accept it. It's the way things are. Lies, lies, lies. Half lies, which are real lies. Half truths. Any decent lie is going to have some truth in it. Lies, foul lies. And is it not strange that we haven't realized that one of the names of Satan is the liar? And that sin came into the world by the original lie. And I come into the atmosphere of heaven and I breathe truth. Faithfulness. I'm in a world of real where there is no hint of unreal. And I turn the pages of heaven's promises and they are real. And he who said them is faithful and said not one of them shall fail. And when Jesus, God among us, he said, I am the truth. It's very important when we come to prayer because it means that we don't deal with facts. You know what I mean? All the stuff that's happening, well, it's a fact, is it? I, yeah, I suppose if you use that word fact, and as far as we can see right now, it's true, but you see... It may not be the truth because there's far more going on right now than you can ever see and there's far more to this event than you've ever dreamed. So when we come into heaven, we, we have to see through the facts and see through what appears to be true to the truth that we find in God himself. Well, okay. That's a very short presay of what we mean when we say heaven, as we confront in Jesus Christ, Holy Trinity. But now he says, you begin to pray. 
Prayer begins, begins by the recognition, our Father, who is in heaven. That's how it begins. We realize God himself, Father, and I'm talking to him because God's Son took hold of my humanity and brought me into this love. And I'm praying to Father in heaven, in heaven. I'm going to come back here because heaven crops up again in this prayer. So this isn't the end of it. If you don't get it right now, it's okay. We'll be back. But let me say this. When we pray in the Christian biblical sense, you have to go to heaven to pray. Because Father is in heaven, and therefore I am his son, you are his daughter, and we go where Father is. And I think that's part of what Jesus was about when he kept on saying this. If you're going to pray, you have to go to heaven to pray. Now, before you think I've gone nuts, you, believer, are a person of two worlds. If only we could understand that. We are persons of this world. We are in this world. We have mortal flesh bodies awaiting the resurrection, but right now... Mortal flesh bodies. That's for sure. I don't deny that one bit. But at the same time, I am a child of God. I have received, says Hebrews 3, a heavenly calling. I, says Ephesians, I am now seated with Christ in heavenly places. In the last 40 minutes, that's what I've been saying, if you, you heard it, so I'm a, pe- I'm a person who right now, look, I'm sitting in this chair in, in, in Bandera, Texas, but at the same time, in the same micro moment, right now I'm seated in the heaven dimension. I'm seated right now. Doesn't pick up on the camera, but right now I am seated in the love of the Father to the Son I'm I'm in the embrace of the Son. The Holy Spirit fills me and is upon me. And angels are around. Yes. Only, it's not only here, but where you are. Look, Jesus said of you, of me, he says, you are in the world, but not of it. The Bible speaks consistently, especially in the New Testament. There there are two companies, two bodies, if you like. The body of Christ, and we dwell where he is in the heavens with our feet on this earth. And then there are those who are blinded by Satan and are being rocked in the embrace of his lies and death. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The he is in us, the he that is in the world. 
See why I, I wanted you to erase all that stuff that you've been taught that heaven is somewhere at the end of life. No, heaven is a... a would you understand me if I... You know, this is easier to preach, I suppose, at this point in time. It would have been awfully hard to say this 50, 60 years ago. But there, there is... Uh, out there in, in science, they talk about parallel universes... And certainly, I think we're all aware enough of some kind of insight into the way things are these days that there's a lot more than what we can see, that there's other dimensions going on right now. Well, even if you don't know that, um, the Bible speaks of heaven and earth sort of up against each other. Heaven is up in that it is superior to earth, and that's where the authority and the power comes from. But not up and away and remote, but up in terms of power. But heaven is... The veil between us and heaven is very thin. And so, faith, we be in the presence of Father. Do you, do you understand that? If I, if I had time, we could almost do an exercise over this web. It, it, it's, I can sit here and I can close my eyes, though I don't have to, and I can consciously, intentionally be present to the Father. I can be present to Jesus and know through the Holy Spirit that I am in Christ and therefore in the Father. And I can know that. And I say, no, I don't, I don't mean trembling, shaking, laughing, yelling. No, no, no. Just know. I know. Or as the Old Testament says, be still and know that I am God. A and... In the New Testament revelation, to know that he's God is to know that he loved us and has brought us into himself. Be still. I think this is what Jesus was doing when looking into heaven. So he was seeing the challenges of earth through the eyes of heaven, through the eyes of his Father, through the eyes of love, through the eyes of power, I think that's what he meant when he said that he's the one who was in heaven, who came to earth, who is in heaven. That is, we are people on earth who are aware of that embracing love of God. That we, Look, do you see yourself through self's eyes? If you are, you don't think much of yourself. The flesh will always put flesh down. Always tell you you're no good, you've fallen short. Do you see yourself through the eyes of other people? And I mean every other people. If you do, you probably will be very aware of all your imperfections and the fact that you're not perfect. And they will have told you that many times. And some of them will have told you with vehemence and have made you understand you are less than other creatures. If you see yourself through those eyes, then you're very depressed, aren't you? Come into heaven 
that is right now be in the presence of the Father and see yourself through his eyes as his beloved the one in whom the Holy Spirit is now working and mending you mending your brokenness mending your very person and conforming you to the image of Jesus come into heaven that's what it's saying before we go any further and get into requests no our father who is in heaven which means I'm his child in heaven and I see myself through his eyes I look at Jesus and I see myself or to put it this way do not drag God down into earth our father who is limited by earth's laws as much as I am well, to hear some people pray, you would think that's true. We, we think that God is as shocked at our situation as we are, uh, that, that God is thrown into a conniption because of the impossibility of our situation, and so on and so on. No, 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 no. We do not bring God down to earth. We take earth up to heaven. We bring all the challenges that we face in earth, all the opportunities, all the cares, all the things that would be anxieties, all of the temptations and tribulations, and, and we carry them into the God space and see them through Father's eyes. And they look a lot different. So I, I don't bring God into the logic of my ancestors. I'll leave my ancestors where they are. I don't bring God into the wisdom of this world, which he says is foolishness. Nor do I judge God by my own past experiences. I see God for who he is in the face of Jesus Christ and I bring my life to him, our Father who is in heaven. I come to his limitless, unbounded love power with whom all things are possible. And I know that he limitlessly cares for me, for you, for us. Well believe it or not but I'm not done but as I say heaven comes along again in this prayer so we'll do a little backtrack what I'm challenging you come to the Father in and through because of Jesus join Jesus in the presence of the Father and just know the Father's love for you and leave your earthbound mind and all the limitations of earth, leave it and step into the real, step into the truth of who the Father is. Sit down with Jesus and know that the Father looks at you as he looks at Jesus. He loves you, accepts you, delights, laughs over you for joy and invites you to share your life with him over the kitchen table. Come to life in this 
unlimited potential of the love of God. Now, I'll admit we've only got to the first couple of words, but they're so important. Because if I rush to God with the long grocery lists of everything that's wrong in life and then rush off out again, that's not prayer. That's just announcing your anxieties and fears and rushing back into the darkness. No, said Jesus, would you pray? Come, sit down with me. Our Abba, who is in heaven, let that sink in. Let that wash over you and wash over you and realize this is salvation. This is it. This is it. I'm the beloved. And Father delights in my being here and invites me to share. Share in his concerns for my life and my world and delights to listen to and include my concerns into his concerns. And so, this amazing ruling of the earth takes place by Jesus to whom all authority has been given. Well, there it is. I, I trust the Holy Spirit makes that a what a real step in your growth in Christ and next week we shall move on in this incredible lesson in prayer and so now the blessing of God the Father almighty love in fact the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit His blessing rest upon you, enlightening your mind, granting you his peace and his joy, embracing you in his love, flooding your life with his light. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.